our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Veritas, because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I think it's time to open the books on the question of government investigations of UFOs. Uh, we ought to do it really because it's right. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law. Be skeptical. Do be as skeptical as you want, but by all, don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of the Veritas Show, where you listen because you don't want to believe, you listen because you want to know. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for tuning in once again. I would like to remind you that all our past shows are available to you 24-7 by simply going to our website, VeritasShow.com. The Veritas Show is a listener-sponsored program and we welcome your voluntary listener contributions. So no matter where around the world you're listening from, be it at our website or at any of our affiliates, or even on your iPod, please take a moment the next time you're on the web and go to our website. We make it very easy and have a secured PayPal donation button on our homepage, veritasshow.com. Please make a contribution to keep Veritas alive. No contribution is too small. Veritas is available on Fridays on our website and through the following affiliates. K-Rock's Zero Point Radio, the Black Vault Radio Network. And we are proud to announce our newest affiliate, the Paranormal Radio Network, UPRN 105.8 FM, New Orleans. Listen to the Veritas show on iTunes and RSS feeds throughout the cyberspace. We are heard in over 102 countries around the globe. If you need to get in touch with me or send questions to our future guests, send an email to mel, that's M-E-L, at veritasshow.com, or just head to our website and click on the contact button. Tonight, we have a great show, but first, let me tell you what happened. A few weeks ago, during my interview with Grant Cameron, Grant told me about Robert Emenegger's story, and I extended Bob an invitation, which he graciously accepted. I scheduled him for a full show, but then... We spoke on the phone, and he believed his story would not warrant a full show. I then added Norio Hayakawa as the main guest and Bob as an additional guest. However, 
I then started receiving emails from people who were really interested in listening to Bob Ammenegger and share the story with me. To make a long story short, I interviewed both Bob Ammenegger and Norio Hayakawa today. Both, in my opinion, were great and both warrant their own show. I had to make the difficult decision to pick one of them for tonight's show, and I chose Norio Hayakawa. Why? Because the Dulce Base Conference just ended this week, Norio was the organizer, and the information seems to be appropriate to disseminate now. I will post Bob Emenegger's show in the near future, perhaps as a three-part series, in conjunction with the upcoming shows. Bob, thank you for spending time with me today, and I'm sure the audience will look forward to it. Also, we have a surprise guest who will join us after the first break, and will tell us what's coming in the near future, and where he's going to be next week. A few announcements. The Veritas video contest was supposed to end on March 31st. However, I have decided to extend it until April the 30th, since I have received a few emails from new listeners who would like to participate, and that should give them some time. That said, I want to thank Andre Heath from the Alien Project blog, who submitted the latest Veritas video. I'm amazed at the skills some of our listeners have. These videos seem professional and high quality, and I feel honored whenever I watch them. You can watch them all at the video link of our website. Thanks to all of you who have submitted a video, and to those of you thinking about it, you have almost one full month for the last chance, April the 30th. Our Facebook page keeps growing, and the chat room is open from Friday evening to Sunday evening, where you can interact with each other, and who knows, even the guests may drop by. Let me introduce you to the newest member of the Veritas family, the Manticore. What is the Manticore? Well, you may remember how we started a forum a few days ago. This forum has taken a life of its own. For a few weeks now, I had been seriously thinking of creating a name for the forum, so that it could have its own identity. Project Camelot has Project Avalon, and I wanted to call it Project Manticore. But 20th Century Fox owns the trademark from the TV series Dark Angel. You may remember, if you watched the series, how Project Manticore was a covert facility taken over by the U.S. government to produce the ultimate human military weapons. Well, the Manticore is neither covert nor has it been taken over by the U.S. government. Yet, it is for sure one of the last bastions of truth. Obviously, it is strongly affiliated with the Veritas show, but now, instead of saying, I'll see you at the Veritas show forum, it's easier to say, I'll see you at the Manticore. You can register by simply going to manticore.com. And to Andrew, who goes by Pato on the forum, one of our volunteer moderators of the Manticore. Happy birthday to you, my friend. And thanks to the Weeby team, who keeps converting our shows into video. If you get a chance to take a look at the Grand Cameron show and video on YouTube, the video and sound quality are amazing. Weeby team, you're definitely catching up with all the shows now. Next week's special guest is Nassim Haramine. A lot of expectation for that show. And now to some news. Tonight, just before I finished production, my friend Claudia from 22050Hertz blog contacted me to share some news right off the press coming from the Phoenix Examiner newspaper. The headline reads, O'Hare UFO Video Shooter Speaks Out by Roger Marsh from the Phoenix Examiner. 
The recent O'Hare Airport YouTube video shooter says he stands behind the authenticity of his capture and wants to offer more proof. Username O'Hare UFO Witness responded to a request for an interview since the video posted March 21, 2009 created more controversy than evidence. After the first UFO video was posted, he also uploaded a second video from another source which purports to be a video shot on the same day, and a third video was recently posted which shows an image supposedly shot from inside an aircraft at O'Hare on the same day. He continues to remain anonymous though. For the full interview and other news, head to our blog. And lastly, I want to say hello to my friend Sergeant Clifford Stone, who has been sending me some declassified material. I asked for his permission to share it with all of you, and he responded with an absolute yes. So you will start seeing these very interesting and mostly declassified Department of Defense documents, courtesy of Sergeant Clifford Stone, shortly, right on our blog. And prior to our special guest, Norio Hayakawa, we'll take a quick break and we'll start the show with a surprise guest who's visiting us once again for a short segment. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to The Veritas Show. Stay with us. From the beautiful desert to another beautiful desert. With us tonight, we have the modern-day Nostradamus back on the show, Dr. Louis Turi. Dr. Turi, how are you? I'm doing absolutely wonderful, Mel. One more time, my friend. Thank you so much for inviting me on your wonderful show. It's our pleasure. I wanted to bring you on because I heard that you are back on Coast to Coast. And you have no idea how happy I was when I heard about that. Well, thank you very much. I believe your show plays an important part of this because it has generated some people uh, feedback to George and to Tom. Uh, but most of all, um, e- George emailed me a couple of times and he told me, Louis, I never ever, uh, and you know it, uh, said that you would never be on my show. And uh, so I... I, I did not really, I don't really understand how things went, but sorrow, so to speak. You know how it is. But the point of the, uh, the fact is that George, as, as much as I have respect for you and George, George has as much respect for me. He knows where I'm coming from. He knows I'm true. And he knows I'm dedicated. And like you, I'm a workaholic. Okay? Right. So, um, uh, he, he he never ever had anything whatsoever um, uh, against me. So I guess uh, I don't know. And as far as Tom is concerned, Tom was also a little bit wondering what was all this about. When you look at it, this is really what happened. And then I finally realized. I finally realized what happened. Uh, and again, I believe that, as you know, there is a lot of people out there that are not exactly happy with who I am and what I do. 
And my enemy, for some reason, are very, very active, and they got me out of Facebook. They uh, tried to get me off many, many websites. They just don't like my work, either because of their religious convictions, jealousy, or God knows what. And these are the people that have started to um, send some mail and stress out both uh, uh, Tom, especially Tom, because Tom gets all, all the emails. All the emails sent to George are screened by Tom, literally. And he got so much junk, so much junk. People were making up stories like, like, oh, yeah, he's harassing us to get you on the show. They were lying. And, you know, people will lie. And, and for some reason, uh, I think Tom took it the wrong way, whatever it is. And, and, and that might have, and I still don't know, but I believe that's what it is. But ultimately, uh, Tom and I, we are best friends as ever. As a matter of fact, I was supposed to meet him uh, in Hollywood uh, just uh, last week, uh, meeting with this uh, as a senator uh, in his building. Um, so everything is back together. I'm ever so happy to be finally back where I belong uh, to the world, and, you know, pointing out uh, my mission to help the children of Chimor to help the police and explaining what the dragon is all about. You know, I think that's just water under the bridge. Sometimes a misunderstanding can take forms that we're, we don't want him to go. So water under the bridge. We're back to Coast to Coast. You're back with Veritas. We're happy to have you on. A lot of stuff happening around the world, especially in the United States. Can you tell us more about what you see happening now? Well, basically, we are getting close to uh, this new dragon uh, as of August 2009. Just to refresh your memory, uh, the tail of the dragon is still in the sign of Leo, messing up the entire second house of money if, of the United States. And this is why we are also suffering with the economy. Not to forget, of course, that in my prediction, I mentioned that this tail of the dragon will affect uh, children, particularly children and famous people. And you know what happened with John, John Travolta and his son, Jet as yes. an example, it just doesn't stop. It just does not stop. So this nasty dragon is still affecting the economy until August. And as, as we're talking right now, the dragon is uh, what you call void, of course, which means it's between Leo and Cancer. In Cancer, July 4, 1776, is the date of birth of the United States. And that forces a complete and entire restructure of the infrastructure of the United States. So cancer whose home, family, children, the real estate, hotels and restaurants, and anything that dwell with uh, the food and the general security principle. So this is a very, very serious timing, and it will take about a year and a half to two years to completely bring back America to where it once was, at least financially. So because the head is in the sign of Capricorn, and Capricorn rules England, and there's no accident why uh, President Obama is uh, out there with the Queen and visiting all the top European leaders. So basically, uh, with the head of the dragon in the sign of Capricorn, every single government is also forced by God's will through the universal structure and the cosmic code to reevaluate their strategy so that the abusers, the rich pigs, the self-centered, uh, egocentric, selfish 
you know, do not do what they did to us because now we are all paying the price. And this is what I said in my newsletters many, many times over, that in order for God the wrath to get to these people and pay their karma, we the people have to suffer first. And that's what's going on. I read, if I believe, if I'm not mistaken, on your latest newsletter about law enforcement, police, criminals, what's happening there? Well, you know, this this is a topic that's going to be generated with George. Um, and I'm going to give him and uh, you, if you want to, also every single date uh, uh, of where the tail of the dragon will produce uh, drama such as four police officers being shot or this lunatic cutting the head off of his five-year-old sister. Yes. Now, understand that a lot of people are going to say, oh my gosh, there's so many dates here. Wait a minute here. There is 365 days in one year. I'm giving you uh, what, 15, 20 dates. And the, the challenge now will be for the people to look at those dates and to realize that Dr. Cherry knows what he's talking about. So uh, the idea is to collect, uh, and, and I, wish, I wish right now all the people that are listening to your show, Mel, I know many of them are students of mine, many of them read my newsletters, and many of these people have already experienced my inaugurable accuracy in predicting uh, disaster, not only disaster, but what's, what's happening with the police, because they read my newsletters. So I'm asking these people to take the time to sign me an email of endorsement because I was on the phone with one of the top um, Secret Service uh, police officer. Actually, actually, he's not a police officer. He's a chief of police and uh, in charge of a very special department. I was uh, on the phone uh, with this person, and I cannot divulge his name, of course, sure. um, uh, for nearly one hour explaining to him that I did sign certified mail to Del Gates, uh, preparing him for everything that transpired with the um, the dilemma uh, that you know, end up with Los Angeles being in fire, I prepare him with his cops beating uh, the, 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 this motorist, and uh, I prepared him in, in great detail. I have I have the proof, I have the dates, I have everything in my possession, so I can prove my claim. So um, I also wrote letters to um, uh, Bergreen, the chief of police of San Diego, giving him the date of August 15 when he would put an end to the um, Torrepines killer. Not only the Rodney King dilemma was predicted, but the Torrepine killer. And not only did I give all the information, but the exact date. I mean, how am with such important information like this, Mel? Do you think the police would benefit from my information? Absolutely. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. 35 years of investigating the cosmic code and how it interacts with the universe, with the human psyche, and all this to be able to get the police. If those people understand me and, and endorse me and I get enough email, I can submit their endorsement to 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 this police chief. The next thing you know, I'm going to be at a police academy giving those dates and showing them through my um, software how the cops can punch on their little computer a, 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 a date of birth. And right there, they will see the red lights in dealing with a person that seems to be totally cooperating. The next thing you know, this person would turn around and shoot the cop right in the head. 
and that uh, is what I'm trying to avoid. Here, here's what I see, for example. If you contact the police and you tell them about something, they can do two things. They can do what they have to do to prevent it, which in turn, they would say, wait a minute, nothing happened. Or they would have to let it happen, and then you can prove a point. Isn't that a bit of a conflict there? No, they would not. I don't think any police officer will let any criminal kill them. That's what my, 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 my point is. Right. The idea the is to... Uh, there, right now, Mel, there is billions of dollars of legal pursuit taking, care, taking place because of the wrongdoing of the police, okay? Because it works both ways. There is such a thing as a bad cops. And my system will teach the police academy psychiatrists and psychologists that there is such a thing of people that should not be in the police force or in the law enforcement because they are going to be corrupted cops. Right. It's, so, it's, it's just the way it is. So this wisdom should be applied and used uh, uh, by the cops for the cops so that they can detect immediately uh, death. That's well, basically what it is. But let's clarify that we, we, we know the majority of the cops are noble people serving their, their country and they risk their lives every day. Indeed. I mean, these are, uh, these are servants, and how many of them, how many of them now, six feet under, are uh, crying desperately? If they could talk, if they could talk, because they are in a place where they can really see me, see my wisdom, and see the values uh, that I have for those that are still walking this earth. If they could talk, they would scream, listen to Dr. Cherry, because I am dead, because I did not know what he knows, and you should know. I'm feeling this from the bottom of my guts, and this is why I'm working so hard again, trying to reach the police officer so families don't get destroyed. Uh, I mean, four police officers killed. Okay, this does not happen every day, Mel. I'm sorry, it doesn't happen every day. Now, if those cops had my software in their trooper, okay, and find out in a matter of a second who they are dealing with, they would know without a single doubt that this person will not hesitate to kill anyone, a five-year-old little girl, which happened to be his sister, and even himself. And this type of murder could be prevented if the cops get educated. As you know, I've told you many times in the show, Mel, ignorance is evil. But people can only relate to me because of their education, their experiences, or their UCI, which is their stars. I am well ahead of time with this type of wisdom. And, and, and the future is my witness. The once I, was, I, I will be given a chance and I will be, and I am right now in your show. If you get those dates to the public through your website or help me in any possible way, like George going to do, you are going to be reminded by all the people who are listening to the show that in, in all of those dates will have in, in, in themselves the essence of a very deadly, plutonic, negative time that will make the very, very dramatic news. Why am I so sure, Mel? Because this is what I did for last 35 years and it's time now it's time for the world to get finally uh, uh, to upgrade their vibration to get the truth whether good or bad we're anxious to know or practical to wrap around around the date so what days can you give us so we can prepare well right now uh, i would have to go to uh well actually 
the date the date that I have for April uh, um, April the 25th and let's go all the way to May too and write down April 25th May the 8th and May the 23rd. Now, of course, um, on my newsletter, and it's free, anybody can sign uh, to my newsletter by going through my website, drcherry.com, simple as that. They will realize that there is a long set of dates that covers 365 days. And then they will be able to check Dr. Cherry and realize that I am real. I'm putting my name. I'm giving dates. I'm into the future. I can see all this before anyone can see it. And because it, it dwells with drama and death, the police force is, up, is the first one who should know those dates so that they don't get killed because they are facing crime, criminals every day. Now, the normal person, such as yourself, myself, for when one listening to your great show, Mal, should also get those dates and read them and then make a note and stick them on their fridge and say, oh, Dr. Cherry said, uh, this date here is a bad date. Now, 48 hours, either before or after this date, you'll be sure that CNN is going to announce another lunatic killed someone or the police got killed or God knows what. But Dr. Turi, many many may say that every day we have crime in the United States. These states, can you be a little bit more specific as to what we're looking for, good or bad? Well, again, those, those, dates, those dates have uh, keywords. These words uh, to represent the deadly, the deadly windows. The keywords are very simple. Famous death. People that are very famous are the first one to make the news. So I, I write famous death. A lot of very famous people die during this uh, type of windows. Dramatic, dramatic news with the police, news from the FBI, the CIA, the mob, secrets comes to light, scandals, wake-up calls to some people, terrorism, uh, finance, sex, and serial killers. These are the keywords that I'm giving you for April 25th, May 8th, and May 23rd. Now, if you want to know for the rest of the year, just sign up to my newsletter, okay? And uh, you will indeed read the rest of the story, and it's all free. What do you see with the economy? I know you said a couple of years, but all these people losing their jobs, record months, I hate to be doom and gloom, but when do you see unemployment improve? Again, the, the nasty tail of the dragon will be removed from the second house of money of the United States in August. So things are going to start to pick up as we get close to August, okay? We still have a few months to go. Then it will take a year and a half to two years to bring everything back together. But understand, uh, like I have said in your show previously, um, very often, uh, this, very often such a dramatic time, such a pain, such insecurity is also an option for people to really find themselves. Because I remember I was in that situation in 1991 when I, was, when I came back from Hawaii, from Pearl Harbor, where I was employed as a welding engineer. I arrived in, in, in the United States. There was absolutely no job. It was absolutely nothing in construction or real estate. We were going through this type of energy too. Uh, not as bad as this one, obviously. And I was forced to quit the construction field and took my little hobby that brought me who I am and where I am today. So always 
realize that there is no accident. You are going to be challenged to the extreme in those very difficult times, and you are going to be also, if you listen to your little voice that we never lie to you, your intuition, you will be also led to a different road, to a different uh, different light. The idea is to listen to this little voice and, and then make a move, because that may be, as, as in my case, probably the best thing that can happen to you. There is always something good coming out of bad. It's the law. Now, it's all up to you to make it really bad or to take a chance on yourself and get some education and take a chance on your creativity because it works. You know, it's been three months. You were the first guest we had on this show this uh, the first uh, uh, this year. And things have changed for us, fortunately. Our audience has been multiplying. We're growing. 102 countries listening now. I know that uh, you need a date in order for you to be able to do a reading. But on a bird's eye view, what do you see for this show? Well, first of all, could you give me, could you give me an idea when you uh, started it? Dece- December the 5th, 2008. That was our December first show. Well, but, well, right there, you were, uh, your show started with the new dragon set in Aquarius. Aquarius was new age matter, UFOs. He regulates the computers, electronics, the World Wide Web, anything and everything that dwells in the future of mankind. And uh, myself, and as I teach my students, uh, a magnet will not attract a piece of wood. Uh, it's, all, it's all about energy, Mel. So I am in your show, and, uh, and I'm not going backwards in my career. And I will do all that I can to help you, because to me, uh, as a guest, you're polite, you're fast, you're professional size and you have thank your you. own perception don't thank me if you were about I'll tell you too that's the way I am I'm very <laughs> honest now and, and, and I, I love to work with people that are professional and in my case I have learned I have learned over the years uh, to listen a little bit more to the host and I have uh, learned to be straight to the point but I'm a machine of expression it's very hard when you shell information for such a high plane to say things in capital words but I did my best today that's when somebody gets their cosmic code downloaded to their brain. That's what happens. Exactly. Well, and as you know, I didn't ask for it to happen with this crazy UFOs experience that's transpired in my life since I am six years old. And uh, altogether, it was a blessing because I do have a mission, and my mission is to uh, eliminate fear and ignorance uh, from the psyche of all the people uh, that uh, we get close to me. So the more you listen to me, the more you investigate me, the more you realize that I'm not a cult leader, that I'm not a religious lunatic, that I'm just a man doing what he has to do to help his fellow human being. And I'm just a man that is either cursed or gifted by God himself. I don't know until it's the end. But for now, I'm having a blast doing what I do best. And I'm so happy to be back on your show and to be back with George and Coast to Coast in order to reach more people. So April 25th, May the 8th, and May 23rd. Folks, write that down. And to get the remaining dates, sign on to Dr. Turi's newsletter by going to drturi.com. That's D-R-T-U-R-I.com. Any concluding remarks, Dr. Turi? 
Well, I, I can only I can only uh, ask you to never forget, as well as your audience, that we all have been made at the image of God, and by this I mean we are all creating our reality. Thus, the future is nothing else than the reincarnation of the thought. Keep it high, keep it positive, and at the end, you will see your dream becoming a reality. My friend, be well, and much continued success to you. Okay. You bet. Thank you very much for inviting me, Mel. You have a good night, my friend. You too. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. And that was our surprise guest, Dr. Turi. Glad to have him back on. And next, our special guest will be sharing some most amazing personal incidents that he has encountered during his 20 years of continuous research on the Area 51 base in Nevada, as well as the alleged underground base in Dulce, New Mexico. He will also share fascinating personal observations on the entire UFO phenomenon after getting himself involved in research and investigations since 1962. Norio Hayakawa will be with us next. Stay with us. Most of the great music you hear right here on The Veritas Show is supplied by the independent artists from GarageBand.com. If you hear a song you like, go over to our homepage, VeritasShow.com, click on Show Info and Music, look up the song and download it. You can even buy the group CDs, in many cases right there at GarageBand.com. On the Art Bell Show, he's a fascinating man with a wealth of UFO knowledge. And directly from New Mexico, we have tonight, Norio Hayakawa. Mr. Hayakawa, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Mel, for having me uh, on your program tonight. It's our pleasure. We heard from your note about the Dulce Conference that it was more than a success. I even heard that the fire department had to switch you to a different location because there were so many people interested in what you had to say. That's correct. Uh, 
This certainly was a very historic gathering, the first time ever that uh, such a conference like this, the Underground Base Conference in New Mexico, right in the middle of this very interesting town called Dulce, New Mexico. The very fact that this was held for the first time in itself was very historic. And, uh, Mel, this was uh, uh, something that was amazing. In fact, I have never attended any such conference like this. I've attended uh, hundreds and hundreds of UFO conferences in my life, but this one was very different. It was uh, a real public forum, in a sense, uh, with the participation of the uh, community of Dulce, and uh, I was very pleased with this uh, uh, unprecedented conference, and uh, yes, more people than I expected Mel, arrived uh, in Dulce, New Mexico, on Sunday, March 29th, uh, and, uh, you know, actually close to 100 people, 120 people, actually, uh, crowded in to a small conference room in Best Western Hikaria Inn uh, on Sunday. But uh, by the time the uh, conference started, uh, more people showed up, and uh, actually it was standing room only. And the first presenter began speaking, Mel, and he was the former Dulce Ranch owner, Mr. Edmund Gomez. He had a amazing presentation, but anyway, halfway through his presentation, the fire department uh, uh, issued us a warning saying that uh, this conference uh, cannot be held in this location because it far exceeded the capacity of the lounge area, and uh, uh, so uh, anyway... We couldn't do anything about it because he had to continue with his presentation. And uh, anyway, uh, almost towards the, just before he concluded the presentation, the fire department again issued a stern second warning, Mel, and uh, we didn't know what to do. And uh, so after his presentation, we made a public announcement uh, in a hotel that uh, this conference must be, uh, must end right now. And, uh, uh, and uh, be relocated somewhere else, uh, according to the warning by the fire department of Dulce. And uh, anyway, uh, fortunately, uh, Mel, uh, a former Dulce police officer and uh, head of the public safety department of Dulce, Mr. Hoyt Bellarde, uh suggested to me right there that uh, why not uh, move this whole conference to another location, and he uh, made a very swift arrangement uh, uh, to uh, move this conference to a uh, Civic Hall conference room uh, across the street uh, in a shopping center uh, next to uh, uh, this uh, huge grocery uh, uh, shopping center. Uh, and so uh, the entire conference and uh, approximately 100, you know, 115 to 120 people were moved to this new location, and then uh, the entire uh, rest of the conference was held in the new location. And I haven't really encountered uh, that kind of a situation before. I mean, there was certain panic, yes. The hotel uh, people were just uh, minute by minute, uh, you know, worried because of the fire department's uh, stern warning that uh, unless this be moved, uh, it's not going to continue. And uh, so anyway, there was definitely panic. The hotel employees uh, made a lot of calls 
uh, you know, in Dulce to see if any place is available, such as school or or uh, places like that. But uh, anyway, fortunately, yes, according to the, uh, you know, with the uh, uh, kind assistance of a former police, uh, Dulce former police officer, Hoyt Villarde, yes, everything turned out okay. In fact, uh, that afternoon session was very, very interesting, and uh, uh, I would really like to tell you more about it as we go along. But uh, one thing that's uh, really fascinating and uh, strange was the uh, that early on Sunday morning, when it was still dark outside, uh, just around 6 a.m. in the morning on Sunday, the day of the conference, a lot of uh, guests at the Best Western Motel in Dulce, where we were staying, uh, woke up because of a roaring, uh, thunderous roar of blades of helicopters, and uh, we were surprised that, in fact, uh, a lot of people were awakened, but it was dark outside yet. And uh, anyway, what happened was that uh, later on in the conference in the new location in the afternoon session, uh, two local Hikaria Apache uh, residents testified that they had seen two military helicopters uh, flying over Dulce and circling over Dulce, and uh, the two helicopters flew slowly right over the Best Western Hotel. And uh, uh, they said that, yes, they do see occasionally military, military helicopters flying over Dulce, but uh, never as low as uh, uh, this one was. And, uh, so what, why was... Pardon? Why do you believe was what do you believe was the purpose of hovering over the hotels? I have no idea. I mean, your guess is as good as mine, but uh, uh, you know, it's not unusual for military helicopters to fly over the Dulce area. I mean, uh, a lot of residents report, even uh, still occasionally, even now, the flight of uh, military helicopters. But uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a coincidence that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that this happened, but why 6 a.m. in the morning of the conference there and right over the Best Western Hikaria Inn? You know, that is something that really was an interesting side note, I should say, you know. That's very, very strange. Uh, and just to give the audience a perspective of what this interview will be about, I want to divide it into a few segments and your research into Area 51, uh, Dulce, and deep underground military bases in general, as well as discussing a few individuals and also more of the conference. But first, on this show, we always like to know more about the guest who we're interviewing. So can you tell us more about your life in Yokohama before you came to the United States, and if there was an event that took place that made you start researching into this subject? Well, uh, well, I grew up, I was born and raised in Yokohama, Japan in 1944. I was born there, and uh, I went to an international school uh, in Yokohama, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, my father... Um, when I was a, a young a person, a kid, uh, my father used to tell me how he witnessed uh, on one summer night in 1947, he witnessed uh, a greenish ball of fire slowly maneuvering over the Bay of Yokohama while he was night fishing. Uh, you know, near the Bay of Yokohama, and uh, uh, of course, as a f as a fishing enthusiast, he had slept 
uh, overnight many, many, many nights. And he he knows uh, astronomical objects very well. Uh, he had seen meteorites and so on, uh, you know, meteors and, uh, you know, all kinds of astronomical things. But uh, never in his life, in his lifetime of night fishing, had he seen such an object uh, slowly maneuvering as if it were uh, uh, controlled, and uh, this greenish ball of fire slowly manipulated uh, the uh, maneuvering over the sky. And uh, that, he used to tell me about that, and uh, that was, uh, uh, you know, how I grew up. And uh, I became interested uh, after, uh, you know, going to school, the grade school, and so on. But my real interest, uh, Mel, started in 1964 when I heard about the Socorro, New Mexico incident, uh, this was in a newspaper in Japan. The incident uh, was reported that uh, a patrol officer in Socorro, New Mexico, uh, witnessed uh, an oval-shaped metallic object landing on a desert just outside of Socorro, and this is the famous 1964 Socorro incident, and uh, that re incident really sparked my interest. And uh, so ever since uh, then, 1964, I, I've been studying this uh, whole UFO phenomena. And, uh, uh, you know, I uh, actually came to the state of New Mexico in 1965, uh, the, uh, the next year, actually, <laughs> uh, to Albuquerque to... Uh, to uh, study the Spanish language as spoken in northern New Mexico. By the way, uh, northern New Mexico, Mel, is a very fascinating area because they still speak the Spanish language of the, uh, you know, descendants of the, the, the conquistadores or the conquerors. Right. And yep. uh, their Spanish is very, very interesting. Anyway, that was my main reason, but uh, uh, the secondary reason for coming to New Mexico is that uh, New Mexico is one of the uh, most amazing states, most mysterious, uh, fascinating state uh, in the United States. This is where the leading-edge military technology, military programs, uh, leading-edge research is all concentrated in this uh, huge state. It's the fifth largest state in the nation, New Mexico, yet the population is less than two million. The entire right. population is less than two million, but, uh, you know, there's so many scientists living in uh, New Mexico. I believe personally, Mel, that uh, this is where it all began, in New Mexico uh, after World War II. And uh, it's very important to give you this background of New Mexico. And by the way, uh, I recently moved from California to New Mexico uh, to retire, and uh, what a wonderful state this is. It, it's a fascinating place. I lived in California, but uh, I don't. I will never regret my moving here to the land of enchantment. Uh, the I when I was living in California, well, I I was very active in uh, researching about Area 51 in Nevada, and uh, my main interest in Area 51 in Nevada was mainly the environmental issues and the effects of black budget programs at Area 51, uh, possibly, uh, you know, going over the environmental uh, 
legality. And uh, my main interest was, of course, in the workers' issues at Area 51. How many of the uh, Area 51 workers had con contracted uh, diseases, uh, illnesses, from uh, getting in touch with uh, a toxic chemical substance uh, while working on stealth uh, programs and uh, you know I had a tremendous interest in uh, exposing this thing and uh, and then uh, you know uh, of course uh, uh, the issue of uh, uh, burning the toxic chemicals in open pits at Area 51 and uh, issues like this interested me so uh, in 1998 Mel I organized the first People's Rally. Uh, right at Area 51, right at the perimeter line on Groom Lake Road in uh, June of 1998, and it was called the first People's Rally at Area 51. And surprisingly enough, uh, about 250 people showed up uh, from all over the United States, including Canada, some people from Canada. But uh, this was uh, initially, uh, it received a lot of attention. Uh, but uh, our main point in that having the People's Rally at Area 51 was, of course, to, uh, uh, you know, force the government to make a statement, statement saying that there is a facility uh, at uh, Area 51. And also the, uh, another of our uh, objective was to uh, uh, make the government um, uh, erect a clearly marked fence uh, along the perimeter boundary, and then our third uh, p purpose was for the government to move the guard shack at Area 51, at the Easter, eastern gate of Area 51 on Groom Lake Road, right at the perimeter line where it should belong, because uh, uh, the guard shack at Area 51 in Nevada is located within the boundary lines, uh, you know, about a third of a mile inside, and uh, anybody tries to get to the guard shack is already arrested. And uh, uh, this is really strange, and uh, I, I, uh, I uh, uh, brought this issue up. And then also I brought another issue about the compensation uh, that the government uh, should do uh, to the uh, former workers who had, uh, uh, you know, uh, who became... But Norio... Let me let me stop you for let me stop you for one second. I don't mean to interrupt, but how did you stumble upon this information that actually alerted you to what was happening at the so-called Area Fifty One that motivated you to pursue this? Well, what motivated me to pursue this was because uh, in 1988 I received a packet from a guy by the name of William Moore or Bill Moore. And uh, I uh, received from Bill Moore in 1988 uh, some satellite photos of uh, Area 51, and uh, included in that uh, packet was, uh, you know, information that there is a, a very uh, classified facility uh, in Nevada in, in uh, Area 51, and that was in 1988, uh, believe it or not, uh, before, uh, you know, a lot of people have heard about Area 51. Uh, the Area 51 uh, came into the existence of the public's, uh, you know, uh, the public uh, only after 1989 with the uh, Las Vegas uh, KLAS-TV news, eyewitness news uh, that came out.
1989, and uh, for about uh, three or four days, uh, at the end of the Eyewitness News program, George Knapp brought... I was going to say, that's George Knapp's station, right? Yes, that's it. Uh, he brought uh, a special guest. Uh, well, he, he didn't bring up... He, he mentioned that there was a scientist who allegedly had worked at a, a, a secret base called Area 51. Uh, and uh, so, anyway, that was in 1989. And, uh, of course, everybody knows now about the Bob Lazar uh, incident, and uh, sure. that was the beginning of the entry of the word Area 51 into the American psyche. Uh, everybody in the United States knows about Area 51, but uh, very few people in the mainstream had heard of Dulce, New Mexico, uh, alleged base. But uh, both Area 51 and Dulce, New Mexico, uh, the information was already available to a limited uh, you know, segment of the uh, researchers already in 19, even as early as 1987. And then 1988, uh, uh, I received uh, from Bill Moore, but also I also received uh, some information from a researcher by the name of uh, Tal, he is a kind of enigmatic personality. There is a researcher named Tal. Uh, sometimes he is known as Jason Bishop. Uh, Jason Bishop uh, sent me an interesting five-page, uh, you know, paper. Uh, it, it was called the uh, the Dulce Report, or uh, I forgot the exact terminology, but. Uh, uh, it was uh, uh, some kind of, uh, you know, information about uh, that there is a strange location in New Mexico uh, in, in, right inside Dulce, uh, actually uh, in a mesa right next to Dulce called Archuleta Mesa. And uh, uh, Tal, uh, or Jason Bishop, claimed and he was a friend of a gentleman by the name of Thomas E. Costello. Ha, ah, okay, great. And, uh, yes, Thomas E. Costello and Tal knew each other because both of them, uh, allegedly from uh, Tal's information, both of them lived in Santa Fe in the mid-'70s. And uh, so the information of Tom or Thomas E. Costello first came through uh, this Tal personality. And uh, <laughs> it's called, it was called the Dulce Papers. And uh, when I saw that Dulce Papers back in 1988, uh, it was very difficult for me to really uh, take that seriously. But uh, right. so I had the knowledge about Dulce, alleged base, uh, from 1988 on, and this is very important, Mel, because uh, I think uh, the the uh, timeline is very important. Uh, most people believe that uh, Area 51 information came out in 1989 with the Bob Lazar story, but uh, a few years before that, people like uh, Tell and uh, uh, others, including John Lear, by the way knew about Area 51 as well as Dulce, New Mexico. Even a writer by the name of uh, 
Bill Steinman. Uh, Bill Steinman wrote an interesting book uh, called Crash at Aztec. And this book came out, I believe, in 1987 or right before, yeah, around 1988 or most likely 1987 to the best of my knowledge. But uh, in this book, Crash at Aztec, uh, Bill Steinman also mentions briefly uh, about Area 51. Uh, so, you know, the, the, it's very interesting because uh, these all happened. Uh, Area 51 and Dulce, New Mexico, both came out around the same time. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's very important to get to this timeline because this is very important. Now, Bill Moore... Uh, Bill Moore began talking about Area 51 in 1988, and uh, uh, John Lear began talking about Area 51 and Dulce in 1988. Uh, and uh, what happened was, in 1988, in October, the uh, Fox TV station uh, broadcast a two-hour unusual program called uh, UFO Cover-Up Live. And uh, this was a two-hour documentary or what appeared to be a live program broadcast nationwide in October of 1988. And uh, uh, everybody was fascinated uh, about this program, but in, in the entire program, Area 51 was mentioned for just a few seconds. Uh, but, uh, you know... Uh, uh, this is it. Was that, was that the first time that Area 51 was mentioned on TV? It was on public television. Okay. That's right. In 1988, in this program called UFO Cover-Up Live, uh, that was the first mention that I know of that Area 51 by name was mentioned. And, uh, you know, there is a lot of story about this. Uh, in 1989, a lot of things happened, Mel. Uh, I attended the uh, one of the most tumultuous MUFON meeting in Las Vegas uh, in 1989, and uh, I witnessed the various people that spoke up at the MUFON Las Vegas in 1989, and it was a very controversial meeting. It was one of the largest MUFON conferences ever to be held, uh, in which Bill Cooper... Uh, John Lear, Bill English, and a few others spoke up. And the last person to speak was Bill Moore. And when Bill Moore started speaking, uh, this caused such an uproar that uh, actually the whole conference, uh, you know, just split up into uh, uh, factions. And they were uh, upset at Bill Moore because Bill Moore said in the conference that uh, he was part of the disinformation campaign to to brainwash a scientist by the name of Paul Benowitz, who lived in Albuquerque at that time. And Bill, uh, Bill Moore claimed that he participated in the unofficial governmental program to disinform Benowitz uh, and uh, created this dulce base story and uh, th this uh, this fact it came from bill moore's mouth uh, and uh, 
As we go along, Mel, uh, it's very important to know the origins of the underground base story in Dulce. Uh, there is origin, and of course, Paul Benowitz is the main initial source behind this Dulce rumors. Uh, uh, Paul Benowitz uh, uh, passed away in 2003, and just before he passed away, he was committed by his family. Uh, and by probably somebody else. He was committed to a mental institution in Albuquerque, and, uh, and then he passed away in 2003, and the uh, Paul Benowitz sons continue uh, operating their father's uh, business right next to Kirtland Air Force Base. Uh, if you go to Albuquerque today to Kirtland Air Force Base, on a Wyoming and Gibson, uh, at the right entrance, uh, at the entrance of Kirtland Air Force Base, is the whole Benowitz family's business. It's called the Thunder Scientific Corporation. It still exists today, and is doing a very good business with Kirtland Air Force Base. They, the family business, uh, basically dealt with, uh, uh, you know, uh, giving the uh, uh, military grade type of humidifiers and other instruments. Uh, and uh, it's uh, still a successful company, but the sons of Paul Benowitz refuse, absolutely refuse today to even discuss about his father. That to me sounds as if because they're in business with the military, why buy the hand that feeds you? That is correct, Mel, and uh, th th this is very uh, true. And I'm sure that uh, uh, they were aware of the Dulce Base Conference because the Dulce Base Conference was, uh, you know, uh, was uh, was uh, mentioned many times in local, uh, uh, you know, sources. Uh, even Albuquerque Journal uh, did a story beforehand, and a Santa Fe newspaper did a story beforehand. And, you know, uh, in Albuquerque there are many defense contractors uh, working, and uh, naturally, uh, Kirtland Air Force Base, uh, I'm sure, is well aware of the whole Benowitz uh, business and uh, the Thunder Scientific Corporation. Uh, by the way, Mel, on Sunday, March 29th, when we had the conference in Dulce, New Mexico, I am certain, without a doubt, and I spoke to one person that was from Los Alamos National Laboratory, yes, uh, Los Alamos National Laboratory uh, had an announcement about events coming up, and uh, this is uh, inside a newspaper. And the, the uh, Dulce Underground Base Conference uh, was mentioned in their Los Alamos National Laboratories inside the uh, uh, newspaper as an uh, upcoming event. And uh, lo and behold, I spoke to a person, a contractor, uh, that is with uh, Los Alamos. Uh, and I'm certain that uh, there were about a couple of other observers from Los Alamos National Laboratory at the Dulce Base Conference. Uh, and it, on top of that, th there's no doubt that possibly, uh, yeah, I uh, believe that uh, one or two uh, federal agencies may have uh, sent an observer. Because uh, we mentioned many times in the Dulce Conference that uh, uh, this uh, Dulce Conference is not mainly about aliens, uh, it's mainly about uh, my suspicion that the government 
did some uh, experiments in uh, the mid-1970s to uh, 1980s, uh, did some experiments using the uh, bovine diseases or cattle diseases and uh, anthrax and other substances as part of uh, possibly uh, biological warfare research and experiments in the uh, Dulcet area. Uh, and uh, that was uh, really what I was trying to get to uh, through this conference. Uh, at the conference, yes, there were amazing testimonies uh, from... And, uh, and Norio, yes. I don't mean to stop you about the conference. We'll discuss the conference later, but I wanted to start... Let me ask you a question before we take the break. I want to go in phases... And just to talk a little bit about the fundamentals of the topic. Uh, when I was born, the term, and let's just talk about UFOs first, and then we'll, we'll go into the, the uh, Area 51 and Dulce and some of the characters I want to discuss. But when I was born, the term UFO had already been established. But I know the term UFO was preceded by flying saucer. You said in a previous speech, quote, the word UFO is very misleading. It's a very misleading sure. term. It's a euphemism that can cause dissension, disagreements, and antagonism. I believe it, was, it wasn't it was a coincidence that the term was created in the late 60s to cause confusion. Why do you believe the term unidentified flying object was created? Well, I have a feeling that uh, by using this very, uh, you know, unclear term, the, it can actually uh, cause dissension among some people because the people are really uh, hung up with terminology. By using and creating the words such as unidentified flying objects, I believe that that uh, is one, possibly one of the ways to uh, divide uh, people up because, uh, you know, anything Anything could be unidentified flying objects. Exactly. Uh, I, I think it's an uh, ingenious term, and uh, I don't like that uh, term. Uh, I, I really don't like the term UFO. Uh, it uh, already, unfortunately, the term UFO, uh, you know, in the mainstream, uh, is considered to be part of the, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, the uh, pseudoscience. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, this whole field of ufology is classified or categorized as part of pseudoscience. And uh, I think this could have been done on purpose, uh, you know. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you can ask me any questions. I have actually, as I told you before, since 1964, continually studied this entire UFO phenomenon. Uh, but uh, it definitely uh, is here. The phenomenon has been here. Uh, we just don't know the bottom uh, of this uh, this phenomenon. It, it's really uh, it has caused a lot of uh, uh, you know dissensions and arguments among people and so on. Uh, but uh, you know my conclusion after more than uh, 45 years uh, uh, or close to 50 years of research into UFO phenomenon, I can honestly say, Mel, that I know as much as, you know, as little as anyone about what this UFO phenomenon is. Uh, I came to realize that this is something that we cannot 
uh, attempt to uh, have a solution through our linear way of thinking or our empirical uh, method uh, of, uh, you know, research uh, on this uh, strange topic. It is about a belief system. It is about a conditioning system. But uh, I am certain that the government had manipulated such beliefs of the people. Uh, it is a convenient uh, 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 backdrop to conduct certain type of operations. Uh, this is my conclusion, and uh, Talk- that, yes. Talking about uh, belief system, during the same speech you said we're being conditioned for an upcoming event closely tied with biblical prophecy. For those in the audience who have listened to past shows, you know I have been saying this almost from the beginning. As a matter of fact, in the previous interview with Bob Ammenegger, we discussed this. Perhaps not tied to biblical or religious prophecy, but as a false flag event, namely an alien invasion via Project Bluebeam, which will unite the world and thus allow a one-world government to take place. Are there parallels between what you are saying about biblical prophecies and what I'm saying? Well... There is a definite uh, uh, allegation that uh, there is a shadow government that would like to create a common threat from outside. In other words, a promulgation of an exterior threat. And Henry Kissinger at one time made a speech in France uh, during uh, uh, the uh, Kabbalistic meeting Uh, of world leaders uh, in 1991, he stated that, uh, you know, one of the best ways to unite or unify the uh, uh, people around the world uh, is to have uh, an artificial threat uh, from elsewhere uh, that will really make uh, uh, the uh, unity, temporal unity uh, in the uh, the world. And, uh, you know, this idea of... uh, uh, creation of a, or a staging of a, a such threat, it's not impossible, Mel. We have technologies today uh, that can possibly uh, play a role in such a staged event if they really want to do it. And, uh, you know, it's my opinion, by the way, that uh, the so-called Project Blue Beam is not... Uh, 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 something that's far out or uh, unbelievable. We have enough technologies now to... uh, Norio, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're the only one that agrees with me. Well, (laughs) Bell, I've been telling this um, for many years, uh, especially in in the early 90s, I have already stated that the government uh, can, in the future, if they want to, for any purpose, create a false type of an alien uh, contact situation by using certain technologies. And this idea was was first brought up by a Canadian journalist by the name of Serge Monast. And Serge Monast, of course, is no longer here. He passed away in the, the, I believe, in the late uh, 90s, uh, a few years after he came up with this uh, allegation that NASA has this thing called Project Blue Beam. In fact... I corresponded, Mel, with Serge Monast uh, back in 1990, I believe 1993 to 1994. And uh, the, the, uh, he indicated that, yes, uh, 
there is a governmental plan in the future to use uh, technologies, uh, uh, low-frequency waves, uh, holographic projection devices, and other uh, uh, mechanisms to create an illusion of, uh, you know, a so-called invasion from outer space scenario. And, uh, you know, uh, Paul, I mean, uh, uh, the uh, <clears throat> uh, Serge Monast mysteriously died uh, a couple of years after he announced that, uh, he was at his home in Canada, and uh, one day he went outside and uh, because he saw a bluish light, and he was wondering what it was, and uh, I heard that story directly from uh, somebody who knew uh, Serge Monast. I never talked to him personally, but I did correspond with him uh, through email, and uh, I found out that he passed away uh, one day uh, outside his house uh, when he saw some kind of a beam, and he had a heart attack right then. And uh, Serge Mona asked, if you check up uh, how he died, yeah, it should be in the Internet. And, uh, you know, uh, so uh, the Project Blue Beam concept is not a, a far-out concept. In fact, Mel, and here is something that's really interesting about this Dulce uh a situation. It is my belief, Mel, that the government may have even staged some kind of a UFO type, a series of UFO type sightings and UFO type incidents in Archuleta Mesa and Archuleta Mountain, right next to Dulce, in the height of the governmental clandestine operations uh, that, you know, involved with the German warfare programs. In order to uh, to uh, draw attention away from the scrutiny of this area, uh, it's my contention that the government may have staged several UFO-type incidents by using, uh, you know, prototypes of uh, holographic projection devices. And uh, it's not me just that's saying this. Uh, I talked uh, many times, and especially recently, again in January, with uh, Gabe Valdez, who was a New Mexico state patrol officer in charge of the whole Dulce New Mexico area back in the 70s and 80s. And uh, he told me that he also believed that uh, the government uh, may have staged a fake UFO-type scenario. by using As a distraction. As a distraction to, uh, uh, you know, and... Uh, in a, in, a, in a small sense, this may have been a, a working, uh, you know, experiment uh, on the part of the government for Project Blue Beam in a minor scale. Uh, I believe that, as well as uh, an author by the name of Greg Bishop, who wrote this book called Project Beta. Uh, it's an excellent book. Uh, Greg Bishop uh, thoroughly investigated the claims of Paul Benowitz, and uh, in this book, Project Beta, he also says that, uh, yes, he, uh, there is a possibility that uh, the, uh, they staged some UFO-type incidents in uh, Archuleta Mesa and Archuleta Mountain in Dulce during the height of the cattle mutilation incidents. Norio, we have to take a quick break. Please hold it right there. And when we come back, I want to talk to you more about Project Blue Beam. So many people don't believe it, but some others do. Talking to Bob Emenegger just before I had you on, we talk about this, and what I'm surprised was that I thought the 
3D moving holography technology was something new. Conventional wisdom says to me it's something new. But Bob confirmed through military sources that that actually existed in the 60s and was going to be used in Cuba after the failed uh, Bay of Pigs invasion. They were going to show holographs on the ionosphere so that the Cubans would look up and present an image of Jesus or God, I'm not sure, to show the gutless communists that it was not the right thing to do, but it was never used. At any rate, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Norio Hayakawa. Don't go anywhere. Thank you very much for listening. We're going to talk more with our special guest in our members section. Head on over to our website, veritasshow.com. Click on subscribe and join us in the members area to tune in to the second part of this great show. We'll take a short break, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with more.